Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. So if you've been with us for the last three weeks, we've been talking about praying for people. And Derek lined up, lined out, gave out a simple prayer model that we can use just to sort of help us. Not a formula, not if we do this, God will do something else. It's not a vending machine, but just a a prayer model that we can use to start praying for others, praying for healing. And what we really believe is happening is that God is bringing his kingdom here to earth. And as we join with him in praying for other people, we can be a part of that. We can be a part of God bringing his kingdom here. And we've been really intentional over the past three weeks to create space in the back at the end of service to practice, to practice praying for people because we think it's really important to practice the things that we learn. And so many of you have tried it for the first time, some of you, praying for people. Some of you have gotten prayer. And so I just wanted to leave space. If there's anyone who would like to share, I'm just looking for one person to share something that's happened to you over the past three weeks that you've been a part of praying for someone or receiving prayer. Someone willing to share a story, a brief story. Okay, well, I have one. I had one ready because I thought maybe that would happen. Okay, so last week we did not have youth because uh, there was construction over there and it was too loud. So my son was in the, the service, the, this part of the service when he's usually not. And so he heard about prayer, learned about the prayer model, which he's heard before. But So we did all that. And then on our way home, my daughter had been sick. So on our way home from church, um, she had a headache and she was sort of complaining about it. And my son asked if he could pray for her because he just heard all this stuff about praying. So he did. She said at the beginning of her, our ride home, her headache was an 8 out of 10. And by the time he was finished praying, we prayed a couple times. He prayed a couple times. Um, by the time he was finished praying, it was a 3. And so that was a really cool thing to have him pray for her, to see that they can pray for people outside of church. It doesn't just have to be here. And so that was a cool experience for all of us to share together. Um, And her headache didn't really come back. It just gradually got better throughout that day. And so I think practicing is so, so, so important. And I, I think what I've learned is that the practice that I learn something and then I do it, the practice of doing it is actually part of the learning, right? That often we can hear things, I know this is really true for me, I can hear things, but unless I like put my hands on it, I don't really understand how it works. This happens in driving. If Derek drives somewhere and I have never driven to the place, I have no idea where it is. I can have been there 15 times, I don't know unless I really put my hands on the thing. And that's why we wanted to make space for you to practice praying for people. And we're going to continue to do that. I would say press in. Pray here, pray outside, pray wherever. It's a really important thing. And I think sometimes we can forget how important it is for us to keep on practicing the things that we learn. I tend to be someone who does not like to practice. There's a number of reasons for that. 
Um, most of them connected to my brokenness. I don't like to be not good at something. I just don't. I think a lot of people don't like that. So in my life, I have in fourth grade, I'm going to start sort of at the beginning, in fourth grade I wanted to play the saxophone because I thought it was super cool. Um, and I mostly wanted to dance around, you know, like with the saxophone. I thought that'd be cool. Um, and so I asked the music teacher if I could play the saxophone. The music teacher said, the clarinet would be a really great place to start, and then you can transfer to the saxophone. I think they just didn't have enough saxophones, but he talked me into it. So I played the clarinet for three months really poorly, and then I quit because I never got good. And I don't think I've ever even touched a saxophone, to be honest. Um, I took Spanish class in high school, and then I, after that, I wanted to learn more. I thought it would be really great. Sometimes people walk up to me and just start speaking to me in Spanish because they think I'm of Hispanic descent. I'm not, but it'd be great to be able to engage with them. So I started learning Spanish, and then Derek and I took a trip to Mexico, and I was like, I got it. Like, I'm gonna talk to these people, and they had no clue what I was saying. I did not study Spanish any longer. And then I think something that's more recent that I really realized is that in sixth grade, I was a roller skater. Every Saturday, my parents would drop me off at Sir Skate from one to four, and we would skate. It was the thing to do. I was so good. I could skate backwards. I could, like, dance and skate at the same time. I was really good at skating, and I have really fond memories of that. Fast forward about maybe three or four months my niece had a skating party, and I was like, I got, just wait until you see how I skate. It's going to be good. So I get there, and I get my skates on, and I look like a baby giraffe because I haven't skated in easily 30 years. And I thought that I would get there and be able to do all the things, but I hadn't practiced the skill. It's not like riding a bike. Skating is not like riding a bike, I'm here to tell you. And so... I tend to be someone who can forget to practice, who can give up practicing, and I think that's lots of us. And I think just like I overestimated my ability to skate, we can often overestimate our ability to navigate spiritual things. That if in the beginning, we had it on lock. We knew what we were doing, we knew how to pray, we took a lot of steps with God, we can think that that's enough to carry us through our entire life of faith. But what I really want to see, I want us to see here today together, is that living a life of faith requires us to practice our faith and to keep on practicing our faith over and over again. We can't just decide that because we took really big steps for God 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even three years ago, that that is enough to hold on to our faith. And I think the times when we really recognize that our faith is not as strong as we thought it was is in the worst times, right? When something goes really bad, when we have a health scare, or something happens with our finances, or something happens in the world that we can't begin to understand, and then we begin to question the really foundational things of faith. Those are the times when we recognize, oh, my faith is not quite as strong as I thought it was. We should be people who always have a new story of how we're growing with God, of what God's inviting us into, why we like him, 
why we love him, why we know he's faithful. We should always have a last week, a last month, an in this season story, not stories from five, three, two years ago. We have to be practicing our faith. Our relationship with God has to be growing. What if you came up to me and you said, what do you love about your husband? My husband and I have been married almost 20 years. And all the stories that I told you about him were like when we were 21. What if I said, man, I love it when he flies me to dinner in a different city. We haven't done that in easily 18 years. Um, What if I said, oh, I love when he cooks and sometimes he pretends that he's Emeril Lagasse. Most of you don't even know who that is, probably. On a cooking show, I did love that about him, but that happened a long time ago. I should have reasons why I love my husband today, this morning, yesterday or this week. If I only had examples from before, you would wonder how vital, how living, how strong my relationship with my husband is. Right? I think we know that about human relationships, but we tend to like let go of the things of God sometimes, and I don't think that it happens by choice. I think it easily gets squeezed out. We can be fooled into thinking we're stronger, we're on better footing than we really are. So today, I'm calling this sermon series, it kind of tags on to the can I pray for you right now? Because that's a practice that we want to engage in. I'm calling this not sermon series. It's one sermon. I'm not going to preach a sermon series today. I'm calling it practicing faith. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that you know the story of each one of these people. You know the times when you invited them to something really hard that caused them to need to step on their faith, and they did it. And they saw that you were faithful. Lord, would you bring those things to the surface right now? Would we remember how faithful you are, how kind you are, how generous you are in the times that we've stepped out on our faith and found it to be solid ground? In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, well, the book of Hebrews, 5 and 6. We're going to kind of go through a little bit those two chapters. First, we're going to read chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, and it says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And we're going to go on to chapter 6 verses 10 through 12, which says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. 
And so the writer of Hebrews here is talking to the Christians and telling them to practice their faith, to go into training. Now, we don't make faith. We can't make our own faith. It's a gift from God, but we can test it out. We can work it out, even as you work out a muscle, right? As you work, you don't make your muscles, but as you work them out, they get stronger. As we practice our faith, it gets stronger. We can join in with God transforming us by practicing our faith. And so there's two things that I want to highlight here that the writer of Hebrews brings up about how to practice your faith and what it requires. The first thing is intentionality. Look again at chapter 5, verse 11. And I really like the way the CSB says this, the Christian Standard Bible, so I'm going to read from there. It says, We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. The writer here uses the perfect tense, you have become. It was not the intention of the Christians he's writing to, to become lazy, But because of their inaction or action in the past, they now find themselves unable to understand the deep truths of God. Because of something that they've left undone, the result is now they're not not able to understand. I said earlier that relationships are directional. They're either getting weaker or they're getting stronger. It's not really an in-between. If our relationship with God and our faith is not getting stronger, then by default, it's getting weaker. We're being formed all the time by everything around us, by interactions that we have, things we say, things that people say to us, things we watch. We're always being formed. And so if we're not intentional about how we're being formed, the culture around us will form us in a certain way and we'll begin to slip back. And then we have trouble remembering or understanding the foundational truths that we knew at the beginning about who God was, who he is, and what he does, and what he's doing. Chapter 5, verse 12 says, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. And I think sometimes in those hard times in our life, we find ourselves unsure about the basic principles of God. But if you're walking with him and practicing your faith intentionally, there comes a point where you really can't walk away because you've seen too much. You've taken too many steps with him. You've seen him show up time and time again. And so it's too hard to imagine, because of all the steps you've taken, that God wouldn't show up this next time. I saw a picture last week of Becca and Elliot's honeymoon. And this is an aside. My friends take really cool honeymoons. Like, they climbed a mountain of other friends who went amongst gorillas. Like, in my honeymoon, I laid on a beach and had some drinks. Like, my friends are so cool. But anyway, Becca and Elliot climbed a mountain on their honeymoon. And in this one picture, it shows a mountain that has these rungs, metal rungs, embedded in it to climb. And as I saw that, I thought, man, that's a really great picture of faith. That as we step out in faith and take a hold of one rung, 
put our foot up on it, only then can we see the next step that we're supposed to take. And we begin climbing up this mountain of faith, trusting that the rung that somebody, who knows, put in the mountain is going to hold you. You begin climbing and climbing and climbing. Eventually, you climb so far with God that you can't imagine that the next rung that you hold on to is not going to hold you because the last 20 did. Does that make sense? That as we step on our faith, as we accept the invitations that God invites us to, we can't imagine that God's not going to show up because for the last 20 years, he has. That every single time we've stepped on our faith, we found God to be faithful and loving and moving. So if we live that kind of faith where we're accepting invitations from the Lord, then we don't have to question if God's faithful because we've seen him to be faithful. But sometimes what happens is that we, in the beginning, take a a few steps really quickly. Maybe we get to the third rung, and then we get tired. So we just stay there for a while, and we think, okay, well, here, God seems to be maybe inviting me to something, but it's kind of scary, and I just did really hard stuff. So I'm just going to wait here for a while. And then a little bit longer goes by, and eventually something really hard happens to us. And we look down at the three steps we took of faith, and even those start to be- become wobbly. We start to wonder, how did I, how did I get here again? Was God faithful? I know he was faithful that one time, but I don't know if he's going to be. It's been so long since I've really seen that. And so even the foundational truths of God begin to look wobbly when we're not practicing our faith intentionally every day, accepting invitations from him. And so then, if that's the place we find ourselves, when someone invites us to pray for someone at church or at the grocery store, it feels like too much of a reach because we're not quite sure if God's going to show up if we do that. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Some nods. Great. John Mark Comer, who is one of Evan's favorite, favorite people in the world, if you want some John Mark Comer recommendations, he will give you all of them. I could give you some. He will give you all. But he's a cool guy. He says, if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it will die. And if your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health and growth, it will wither away. Following Jesus has to make it onto your schedule and into your practices, or it will simply never happen. Apprenticeship to Jesus will remain an idea and not a reality in your life. And so we have to intentionally practice our faith if we want it to stay strong for the times when it's hard. The second thing that I think is integral to practicing your faith is process, that it's a process. Chapter 5, verse 14 says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And then chapter 6, verse 12 says, We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Those who mature 
and grow in the Lord, learn how to distinguish good from evil. And I think as I say that, when we think about maybe the the Ten Commandments, it makes it seem pretty black and white, right? Good and evil should be pretty easy to recognize, but I don't think it's that easy, especially in the culture that we currently live in. I think there are so many really good things that we can easily make the ultimate thing, and then it becomes bad. There are so many ways that we can be fooled into believing that we can have a happy or joyful or peaceful life without fully surrendering all control to Jesus. There are a lot of things that offer us that kind of road. And so I just want to give you a few examples so that we can see this clearly. I think counseling or therapy is fantastic. I have received it myself. It has been so helpful to me. But I also think that that is a place for you to help uncover some of the things in you that you need to give to God. Some of the ways that you've shown up that keep you stuck or hurt you that are no longer helpful for you. This is a really great place to uncover the stuff. And a therapist can walk with you to help you uncover the stuff and give you coping strategies to help you get through your life. But a therapist cannot heal you. That only comes from full surrender of all the things, all the trauma that you've now become aware of, all the hurts and lies that you believe. That only comes from surrendering those things to God. That's that's the next step. Another area where I see this is boundaries. Boundaries are really, really good. It's good to know who you are. It's good to know who you want to be. It's good for you to set boundaries around the ways that you will show up in the world so that you can be the kind of person that you want to be. Very good. Cutting people off is not good. And so it's, it's hard for us to figure out that line. Boundaries are meant to help us be healthy people, but if we ghost people... Or if someone offends us and we just simply move away from them and refuse to talk to them anymore, or if someone angers us or we misunderstand them and we decide we can't be in relationship with them anymore, that's not good. There are a million other things like this. Taking care of your kids is really, really good. It's your job if you're a parent, but controlling their lives, not good. And so what I want us to see is that only by practicing our faith through a process of intentionality can we begin to learn these nuances between good and evil, what's going to be good for us and what's not, what's going to be good for the people around us and what's not. We have to really work on practicing the things that uh, we've come to believe in the Lord, the invitations that he invites us to. We have to train ourselves to know the difference alongside God. And so I think a lot of people back away from practices of faith because it doesn't always go the way you want it to. (laughs) Because they're afraid of the process of growing, just like I didn't like the process of being bad at the clarinet. It involves trying and failing, refining and trying again. This is what it means to practice your faith. The God of Jesus is a God of process. If you think about it, Jesus came to earth not as a fully grown man, 
He came to earth as a baby. Jesus was a toddler. Jesus was an adolescent. Jesus was an awkward teenager. I don't know if he was awkward. Maybe he was. I don't know. But he was a teenager. Jesus was 20-something, just trying to figure out life. Like, Jesus went through a process of growth. God is a God of process. And I think sometimes when we think like we might not get it right, it makes us too afraid to try. But the trying is the learning. It's in the trying that we figure out how to get it right. Growth really isn't about getting it perfect every time. It's more about failing in the right direction. That you're trying to accept the invitation of God, that you're trying to step on your faith and do the thing that God has invited you to do, and it doesn't always go the way you want it to or the way you thought it would, but it's important that we're reaching out for that next step to take with God. The point is to move forward and begin counting on God more than you count on yourself. I think that's really hard for a lot of us to do. One of the examples in the book of Hebrews after this section that we've just read is Abraham. And he's held up as a pillar of faith, as a role model for how we can practice our faith, someone to emulate. How many of you know Abraham's story? Yeah, many of us. Abraham was promised, God promised him that he would have uh, an inheritance, as many descendants as the stars in the sky. And so Abraham trusted God that that would happen. And then Abraham promptly slept with his wife's servant in order to have a baby so that that would happen. And then when his wife had a baby, he kicked the baby mama and the son out of the house because his wife didn't like it. But in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 15 says this about Abraham. We know his story, or at least I told you a little bit of it if you didn't know. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, that is God, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. That's what it says about Abraham in the book of Hebrews. Abraham went through a process of practicing his faith, and he didn't always get it right. But what is said about him is that he waited patiently, and he received what was promised. God expects you to go through a process of obedience, of trying to accept his invitations and growing your faith. That's what, he's, that's what Abraham is remembered for. And let me tell you, I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. I have not always shown the love of Jesus. I've argued with people about God. I've trusted in my own abilities more than God's at times. But what I've also done is tried the best I knew how to accept the invitations that God invited me to as much as I possibly could And what I really, really hope is that at the end of my life, my story will be Jerry waited patiently for God and received what was promised to her. It's really important that we are okay with process because God's okay with process. 
and we can't get where we want to go without engaging an intentional process of growing our faith. The commentator that I was reading um, on, this, on the book of Hebrews said that for the Christians for whom the letter's written, but I think this also really applies to us, it's not merely that they do not benefit personally from engaging in a process of intentional growth with God, but even more serious, other people are denied the help which they might have received from them had they been strong and resourceful believers. And so even if it's not enough for us to have the faith that we want to have when hard things come, I think most of us are good people and we want to be able to help our coworkers, our um, classmates, our friends, our family. And I want to talk very specifically to those of you who are parents or would like to be parents someday. For your kids, your ceiling is their floor. That is true of faith. So as strong as your faith is, that's where they start out. And they can go far beyond where you've taken them. If you think about this mountain that Becca and Elliot were climbing, this mountain of faith, if you've gone up 20 rungs on the mountain and you're halfway up, that's where your kids start. They start halfway up and you say, go the rest of the way, you can do it. But if you're someone who's climbed three rungs, and you're two feet off the ground, that's where your kids start. I don't think any of us want that. Even if we don't, can't do it for ourselves, do it for the people around you who you influence. It's important for us that we are practicing our faith. And so in order to be people who can walk confidently with God and who can offer the world any hope at all, We have to be people who practice our faith through intentionally walking out processes. Life groups are a great place for you to practice your faith. That's the whole point of a life group. It's that we would come together with other people and practice living life with Jesus. That we would be in in processes with other people. Life groups are a great space to practice praying, hearing from God, accepting the invitations from God, encouraging others, surrender, community, all of the things that Jesus practiced. That's a really great place for you to work those things out. And I promise... You're going to go way further up the mountain with a group of people than you're going to go by yourself. If for no other reason than they can help you carry your stuff, physical and spiritual and emotional. Like imagine if you're embarking on a journey and you have all the stuff you have to take. If there's five of you, you're going to get further. We all have stuff we have to carry. But if there's people who are walking alongside you, you don't have to carry it alone. You're able to go further together. So I want to I give you some really practical applications. Join a life group. Not because I want to grow our life group structure. Not because I want every life group to be 20 people. Because you need it. 
Because when life gets hard and you, you have to rely on the faith that you've grown, you need other people who can encourage you, who can tell you the truth about what's happening and what's not happening, who can walk alongside you. Another really practical step is something that we do in life groups. We pray for two people. We say, praying for your two or how's your two. Two people, we engage in an intentional practice of praying for people who are far from Jesus. That's a step of faith that you can just offer that person to the Lord and say, God, I trust that you will do what you're going to do. Would you bring them to yourself? And what's true is that that person's going to probably start coming toward you. That person's probably going to call you. God's going to invite you into walking along with that person. That's a really great way to practice your faith. And another one is to pray for people, to begin engaging God in what it is he's doing. We have an intercessory group that meets on Wednesdays. That's a really great place to figure out what God's doing, what the invitations of the Lord are. We meet at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays, and anyone would be invited to just begin praying through and trying to practice faith in a new way. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.